What's going on, everybody? This is Big Pep. And before we start our next episode, I just want to say thank you for the incredible amount of support that you've given us throughout the year and that the amount that you guys keep on giving us. Um, the views on YouTube have been great. And if you haven't heard, we do have a YouTube channel for our Pep Talk episodes. So in case you guys ever have time to watch the episode, go on YouTube. It's uh, my links in my bio and you can watch it there. Also, I wanted to introduce our next guest, Professor Gabriel Arges. I'm so excited to have him on. Uh, I have a co-star with me, Jordan Harris. He's on there with me. And for the people who don't know, Professor Gabe is a world champ, two-time world champ, and he's our jujitsu professor. So it was an honor to have him on here. His story is incredible, and I hope you enjoy the show. And of course... Thank you for supporting us, and we love you guys. And as always, Pep Talk, keep pushing, strive for greatness, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and our podcast on all streaming platforms. Enjoy. Thoughts? Oh, did I? Is he Brazilian? I know. <laughs> oh, I got that on record. <laughs> Here we go. Go. Perfect. Here with the dynamic duo. What's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk. Today, we're switching it up a little bit. Juan took a little uh, hiatus for today, so I got my partner in crime, my partner in the security world, also my partner in jiu-jitsu, Mr. Jordan Harris. What's good? I got to get Juan the boot. I get Juan the boot for the day. Damn. Hating on him. He'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back tomorrow. So, today we got a special guest. We have... Uh, an incredible role model for Jordan and myself. He is our jiu-jitsu professor here at Gracie Baja Ventura. But let me give you guys a little bit about him. Uh, his name is Professor Gabriel Arges. He is a 2017-2019 IBJJF world champ. Yeah. He's a fucking killer. He's known around the jiu-jitsu world. He's phenomenal. He's traveled from, I mean, raised in Brazil, came to, or has gone to Abu Dhabi, seen the world off of Jiu-Jitsu and the owner of Gracie Baja Thousand Oaks, Gracie Baja Ventura, and just an all-around great person. Ladies and gentlemen, Professor Gabriel. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. This is awesome. The studio looks great. The dynamic duo is here. (laughs) Back, baby. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So let's get down. The first question I got to ask. All right, who's better in Jiu-Jitsu, Jordan or me? Oh shoot! Yeah, I'm just right fucking. I'm just that. fucking with you. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally just playing. But you do want to know? No, no, no. no, no. He, he, he does. Too, he? <laughs> What's going on? How's everything? Good, man. Life is good. Um, just uh, got back from uh, from a little trip yesterday. I was uh, taking the dog up in the snow, and and I've been training a lot, uh, focusing on the schools too. You know, it's been. Uh, good, getting everything back. Tournaments are getting back in jiu-jitsu too. So uh, for me, life is, you know, like getting back to, to somewhat normal. Okay, yeah. right on. So usually with this podcast, we usually start from beginning to end. Start In the beginning, we talk about like growing up, your childhood. So where, I know you're from Brazil, mm-hmm. but where exactly in Brazil are you from? I'm from Belo Horizonte, southeast. So uh, state of Minas Gerais. 
beautiful state, you know, a lot of uh, waterfalls, mountains, you know. Be- Belo Horizonte, it's the translation for beautiful horizon. So it's like in the mountains and nice. not really much of a flat street at all. It's just all, all hills. So it's a beautiful, beautiful place where I grew up. And I feel like when I think of Brazil, and this is maybe just me stereotyping it, I think of jiu-jitsu and soccer, football, right? Mm-hmm. Was that... Was is that very common? Was that like a very big part in your life, soccer and jujitsu, or was it more just jujitsu? Pretty much, yeah. I always say how you know amazing um, the U.S. treats sports. You know, for people that are like trying to be athletes, you mm-hmm. know, it's a challenging Brazil in that sense because you either uh, become a professional soccer player if you want to make a, a living in sports, or it's pretty much it, you know, and then we have jiu-jitsu too, you know, uh, MMA fighting and, and, and those are pretty big in Brazil. So, uh, I would say 90% of kids, you know, growing up in Brazil, they want to, if they like sports, they want to become soccer players, you know, where here in the U S you see so many different sports, yeah. with, uh, with, you know, with opportunities. Damn. So it's good. Did you, did, uh, did jiu-jitsu, was that always, was that always like part of your life? As soon as you came out of the womb, they're like, Hey, you're getting straight on the mat or did some, did something spark your interest? Uh, not at all. Uh, you see kids starting to train. We have kids in the school, like three years old, you know, four years old yeah. and kids start training early. Uh, we see 16 year olds nowadays, 15, 16 year olds, really high level, black belt level competing in the, uh, in jujitsu and beating world champions and, and everything. But, for me, I started, like, officially training when I was 16, but I used to, you know, like, wrestle around with my cousins and stuff, get uh, get a little bit bullied by, by my cousins and, and <laughs> learning the hard way. And then uh, I used to wrestle around and everything, but didn't start training until I was 16. I was doing a lot of, like, the soccer path, too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was, like, playing for real. And uh, in Brazil, like, they really become pro really young. So you got to make a decision when you're, like, 14, 15, 16 to go and uh, go all in or not, you know, and then I'll have to like, it's the opposite way. You got to like uh, step away from high school and, and go all in if you Damn. really want to do it. You got to leave at the uh, leave at the, the headquarters of the club and, and, and train full time. Uh, so I always was into sports and everything. I was following the path of soccer, but uh, I felt like it was like too big of a risk, you know, just leaving all behind. And, and I just kept studying for you know, the sake of uh, my mother oh, okay. <laughs> worries. And uh, I, I actually went and, and I lived there for a couple of days at the headquarters of the club that I was playing for. But So, so, so Tarka, you're also, you, you were good enough to potentially play pro and go to the academy? Like it was, like you were that good? Yeah, who knows if I was going to become pro now. But back then, like when I was like definitely growing up, I used to play uh, for really good teams and, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, I was following the path and I could, I could have uh, made it and probably not, you know, the chances of you making, even if you're really good, you gotta, you gotta be somewhat lucky too, you know, yeah. there's just so many good guys, you know, and uh, I kind of like start shifting my interest uh, towards jujitsu so when I was like right around uh, 16, yeah. I was like working out at the gym and, and my my friends were doing jiu-jitsu. I always had interested in it and watch UFC. So it was easy. Like as soon as I started training, I was like, yeah, I love it. You fell in love with it? Yeah. Was it at 16 though, I'm sure when, you know, you see your friends making it in like the, the, the soccer world or like they're, they're figuring it out and then you just decided to switch into jiu-jitsu. 
were you kind of nervous at that? Were you kind of like, shit, I'm, I'm transitioning from one sport that you invested your whole life into to now a whole different sport? Or was it or for you it was kind of just like it is what it is. Like you're just you were just ready to hop in there. I was just ready to I was just so for me, like doing sports was my passion, you know, and then it felt like the soccer path was too much, you know, mm-hmm. and then I I always wanted to be successful, you know, but I didn't want to. Uh, put all the eggs at one basket. I ended up doing that with jiu-jitsu at one point, but uh, my passion for jiu-jitsu was definitely, like my hunger was definitely like much, much higher to try and make it than it was for uh, soccer. Gotcha. Yeah. For me, like listening to that, was it, was it, when you jumped into jiu-jitsu, was it hard to to see the fact that you weren't necessarily as good as your friends right away or was it something that you was easy for you to transition to you know what i mean like yeah no, playing soccer and then doing that was it hard to be like oh shoot you guys are already better than i am you know what i mean yeah but soccer was also like yeah it would have been cool to become soccer player and everything but it's it's just culture and yeah, like i'm yeah. gonna play soccer for the rest of my life watch mm-hmm. soccer or be involved in it you know so i always would have that like go and 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 uh, like you guys would go in and play hoop like yeah. every once in a while it was the same thing and uh i wasn't like too concerned with that like i had some i did have some friends that were training jiu-jitsu already at different schools but f- to your point it was easy to start because my professor he had just uh got brown belt the guy that was teaching at the gym that I was working out at and uh everyone all the other students were basically starting from scratch too so it was just like everybody oh, so together made it way easier. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't uh, tough at all it was just like actually super super a, easy a clean transition yeah and so when you when you when you finally got into it when did you realize for yourself that okay this is this is something that you could take on because i remember I, I heard a quote that you said that at white belt you knew that you wanted to do this for the rest of your life when did when did it hit you when you're like all right i can actually take this shit to the next level and become a pro mm-hmm uh, it was more other people telling me than I actually, I, I, when I was a white, I was like, I want to like be a world champion one day, like right away as like for the amount of love I had for the sport. But, um, I had no idea. Like I had no blueprint to say, yeah, this is how you make it or whatever. I just kept following the sport and people were like, yeah, you're, you're really good. You should do this competition, that competition until it wasn't until like two. Uh, 2012 I was already going to college and uh, and then Homolu needed people he just had just opened his school in Northridge and uh, he needed people to build a training camp for worlds and then he invited like six seven guys from Brazil okay. to come and uh, Philippe who was my professor um, uh, also my professor back then invited me hey let's go to spend like six months in P-Pans train as much as we can until the world's and for me, it was like one in a lifetime opportunity. You know, Homer was already like, I think he was already like, uh, maybe not Hall of Fame yet, but he was already like multiple time world champion, yeah. super known, and came from my gym too. And uh, I knew of him, obviously. I was a fan of his. And, and it was like, yeah, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I, I, I need to go there. So I stopped college for six months to pursue as a blue belt. I came here as a blue belt. In, in 2012? 2012. How old yeah. were you? I was like 18, I think. So was that your first time also coming to the United States? No, I have family here. So like for jiu-jitsu was the first time. But okay. like I used to come here growing up uh, every other year uh, pretty much and, oh, okay. and see family and, and travel with my parents uh, to see them. But 
uh yeah it wasn't until like 18 to in 2012 that's when like i gonna go there to actually do the competition because california maybe not anymore but it used to be like the mecca of the sport for the tournaments you know you have we see a lot of tournaments shifting away from california mm -hmm. but like not a, like until 2019 uh, like the major events were all in california you know so that was the place to be for events and also for the amount of good quality training you know yeah. like we had here and we still have that for sure when and you brought up homolo and uh felipe pena so when you first started at 16 were you training under felipe pena no uh i was training under fernando fialho he like i said he just got brown belt back then okay and he's uh also a black belt from gracie baja belo horizonte which is like the main school okay. in my in my city and uh, the headquarters of that school like some like we have hundreds and hundreds of black belts it's like a work that started in the 90s you know so like at a given like noon class you show up and there's like literally like 25 black belts on, oh, the on a weekday you know damn yeah the belt promotions events <laughs> are crazy uh uh professor draculino the one that um, was a pioneer in our state he early 90s he came to to Belo Horizonte and built the the powerhouse that Jiu Jitsu is over there. When uh, going back to when you decided to you know hop in and go all in as as a white belt and you know like I said you said you know you wanted to be a world champion. What changes did you make in your life? Because I'm thinking like as a like when you were what eight eighteen mm -hmm. you know I'm assuming shit when we were eighteen we were playing basketball but we yeah. were also getting drunk turning up partying yeah. Yeah. so yeah. so how does that go from and I don't know if you were doing that or not, but like from, from turning up, having a good time to all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going all in. And because, like in your mind, being like a pro athlete, what, what switch did you have to make? And also too, like, did your friends at the time get it or no? Like, did they, did, like when you told them like, Hey, I want to be a world champion. Were they looking at you like the fuck or were they actually like, Oh, go for it, go for it. Yeah. I mean, they were probably, they were saying go for it, go for it, but probably dip inside. Like this guy's it's crazy, you know? And then to your point, uh, yeah, like I had to give up a lot of things on my on my 18, 19, you know, to focus 100% on that because that was my main focus. But on the, on the other hand, too, in Brazil, we start partying really young, you know, oh, okay. really, really young. <laughs> like how young? Like I was probably like 13. I was already oh, okay. like drinking and stuff. So like by <laughs> yeah. the time I was like 16, 17, I was kind of like burned out of it, too. And then uh, it was good. You yeah. know, like jujitsu was good and, and, and put me on the track that I didn't drink for years, man, like not probably like super super focused until i was like really achieving like world titles you know so like mm -hmm. from that point i was like i want to become a world champion and i i i've done enough partying I, i've seen it I've, i i lived it it's not something that i'm gonna do on a daily basis for the yeah. rest of my life oh yeah sure i will celebrate it and everything but back then even celebration i wouldn't drink you know i was pretty laser focused on on achieving like becoming world champion you know and yeah, I have to give that up, and and my new like my luckily a lot of my friends were in like I I were in the jujitsu world too, and I start building more friends in that world, so we're all on the same page, you know. Like when we were like drinking, it's because like we're celebrating, we're after a tournament, so it doesn't matter, yeah. you know. But definitely that lifestyle of like partying, like I, yeah, I like when I. I got it out of my system. Uh, like when I was 18, I was already sick of it. Like here in the States, you start <laughs> yeah. drinking like technically, technically, technically when, when you're 21. 21. Yeah. 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 Over there, technically is 18. Like, you, but yeah. yeah, they, 
We started drinking early there. I mean, sure. we were, and yeah, stuff. we've always talked about, especially like when we travel overseas, we see, you know, 15 year olds having beers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And for us, it's so weird, but you start realizing like, I feel like the earlier you start, the more you build responsibilities. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In Brazil, it's 18, you know, but I mean, if you want to drink, you're going to find ways to do it exactly. when you're younger, yeah. you know, Regardless. so it is what it is, you know. Um, so your first tournament, how old were you when you uh, when you had your first match? I was 16. One month in jiu-jitsu, mm. yeah. And, and over I thought it was a good idea to just... And over there, is it is it kind of just like... Is it just is it just like that? It just comes with the territory. Like, all right, you're gonna start jujitsu, and then you just you just have your first match. You have your first tournament, or is it? Or did your coach or your professor at the time tell you, "Hey, like, I think you're ready. Let's go do it." No, there was just they, he, he put up a banner uh, in the school. There was this tournament going on, and decided to sign up. Uh, it, it like it depends, you know. Some people do it just for the lifestyle. Majority of people, I would say, you know, they don't worry about tournaments too much, and and then. I was just competing nonstop since I was like, literally, like I started doing sports when I was six months old. You know, I was always competing, whether it was swimming, chess, mm-hmm. soccer, uh, like uh, indoor soccer, all kinds of competitions. You know, so uh, when I started doing jujitsu, it was literally the first thing that came to my mind. You know, like I want to compete. Yeah. Do you remember? So your, I was in my blood. Do you remember your first match? Yeah. Did yeah. you win? I did by luck. I just had one move I knew, but <laughs> and I was uh, it was a small bracket too. It was just I was sixteen year old juvenile white belt, you know. So okay. I just had another kid in it, and um, I just knew that one triangle from close guard. Didn't know anything else, you know. And then I was first thing I pulled guard, put in the close guard, and submitted the kid on the triangle, and that felt pretty good. I was like, yeah, I was like first tournament one one month in, and. Winning a gold medal, even though it was like a small tournament, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, you just got that like natural high, that victory. Yeah, yeah, I was, I I like that competition with jujitsu and everything else for sure. When you came out here to the states, when did you officially move out here and and become and and just like become a resident in in the United States? I was going back and forth a lot, but um, yeah, I would say. I'm not entirely sure. I think 2015, it was like, yeah, like now I wasn't like necessarily going to Brazil. And that's when I also start traveling a lot, you know, but I was like more based here. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And the question that I had also too was when, when you decided to, I mean, obviously, you know, you're a, uh, your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not responsibility. Your rep, like everyone started noticing, like okay, this guy is is doing his thing. He's making he's making moves. You were you were training under Homolo. You were training under Pena. When did you realize now you were a target? Like I feel like at one point you were chasing gold, then all of a sudden now you you're the guy that people need to need to beat. When did when did you feel like all right now I'm I'm being the one who's getting attacked? Uh, there's two ways to look at it because like on the collar belts, you can be killing everybody and then winning everything, but it's still a collar belt, you mm-hmm. know, like people are like, okay, you still need to make it on the black belt level, you know? So I had that target, uh, once I won world championship in the purple belt, obviously people, I would like be the favorites in the category. People will look at me trying to like, trying to, uh, beat me, you know, I'll be well placed in the bracket. Uh, but not until like first year black belt when I actually won the the whole thing and and 20, out in twenty seventeen 
2016. Yeah, I closed out with my friend. Like, I didn't end up getting the title. But in that bracket, I, I submitted the, the current world champion, the current ADCC openweight champion, and um, another two world champions in that bracket. So that bracket, as a rookie, it, it, it was as tough as it could be. And I beat everybody, you know, even though, like, I closed out at the end. But, like, I already, at that point, I would say I had a target because um, on the main stage of my first year black belt, I actually got it. And and then after that, like. What changed after that? Because now that you say, like, you beat all these world champions, former world champions in 2016, what 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 changed in your life? Or did, like, new doors open? Did, did you now have, like, more uh, people wanting to train with you? Did, did like, your... Uh, role models your mentors like now like recognize you yeah for sure like like professionally it changes the whole thing too you know because when you're purple brown bell you're still in the amateur level it's still like the b leagues and stuff doesn't matter how good you're doing uh it's hard to like really make a living out of it as far as like getting sponsorships and seminars and and then uh, at the first year black belt, I won Abu Dhabi Pro, which is like the second world championship that they have. And also the world championship here in California. And then I was like, okay, now uh, I got my name out there much more and, and established myself in the black belt division. And then I started like traveling the world uh, much, much more like to make a living out of it. Where, where was your first like, holy shit, I'm here, like country? Oh man, this, I've been in so many countries, but hey, flex. Let me hear them. Uh, it's not even a flex, but like uh, when I went to Russia and 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 I went, I compete, uh, I competed in in, uh, in Chechnya too uh, once. So it was like, man, Jiu-Jitsu taking me literally everywhere, you know. And did you have fans everywhere you went? Like when you were in Russia, would people be like, "Yo, that's Gabe, oh shit." Uh, not like that, but like people knew like who I was, yeah. like if they train jujitsu and they follow, obviously they, 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 they see me, you know, but it's not like nothing like, but you still like get you recognized think, though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not anything like you would think, you know, like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like people saying what up and, and people that train too, they, they look up to you. And obviously when you teach seminar, people go to that seminar to learn from you. So they know who you are and, uh, that type of like. Um, the recognition—it's—it's it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I bet I bet too. That's a little. That's better because it's like people look at you and they're like, "I respect this dude." You know, they don't have to go and be like, "Oh my god, it's so and so." But they look and they walk in the room. And they're like, "Okay, I know who that is." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, cool. I, I, and that happens to me sometimes. I see somebody, I'm like, "Oh no, I know who that person is," but yeah. I respect it. I'm like, you know, you have that, you have that somewhat of fear, um, in 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 a person's heart because you're like, this dude's good at what he does. You know, yeah. It's not someone fanning out over it. Which is dope, yeah. Know? Well, yeah, no, that's cool. And what? I think I wouldn't want it like to be that crazy, either, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Like I'm pretty cool being low key and 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 being where I am. It'll be tough to like to go places and you, you like people recognize you all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's cool, like obviously, like means you've done like even bigger things for sure, you know. But like for the for my personality, I, I I'm perfect the way it is yeah. right now. Yeah, I just had my first like holy shit moment probably like two weeks ago when, when Felipe Pena was, was in town and we were doing a specific training and he was in, he was in my guard and I was like, and I froze. <laughs> I literally froze. I was like, holy shit, this really just, he's in my guard. Like, this is crazy. Did you ever have a specific moment when you're just like, I don't know if you were rolling with, I don't know, whether a Buchecha or somebody where you're just like, 
this is really happening. Like I, somebody who I used to look up to, who I used to idolize, I'm now training with him, practicing with him. Did, who was that? Oh, hundred percent, man. And that's fun in jujitsu because you get to do that a lot, you know, and you get really close to your idols and people that you look up to. Uh, and then even like coming here for the first time, I already um, trained with the, like a couple of world champions in Brazil. But when I came here and starting uh, like training under Homulu and then every place Homulu would go and travel to compete, I would go with him, did seminars. So like I started to get close to these people, even like as a blue belt, purple belt. And then I would train with Karen Gracie that I would only see, uh, you know, in, in videos and, and stuff. And Otavio, my friend as well. Uh, Bushesha, when I rolled Bushesha in Abu Dhabi, when I was a purple belt, too, I was like froze, you know? Damn. Yeah, I was like, man, this is guy, this guy's, um, it's pretty awesome. Like, it's like the best in the world right now, and I'm getting to train with him. So, you get a lot of cool experience, like that Brawley Steema, too, like a guy that will like mm. watch all the time. And then a couple years later, we're out here, like, literally, like coaching me the day before the, the tournament. So, not only like getting to meet them, really, like, become friends with uh those guys it's it's pretty special you know because you look back and you're just like the same thing i would look at a famous uh like for instance you will look at it like a lakers player mm -hmm. and you're like starstruck you know for like sure. jiu-jitsu was my main sport to watch to it's like i watch all those guys and then uh, years later i'm like becoming uh, friends with them and like, teammates and getting close to them it's it's special with jiu-jitsu too <laughs> so I, the one big thing we wanted to ask between us both is is we know you trained under Felipe and and Homolo, um, but we want to know exactly like the intensity between the two and 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 how it was transitioning from from professor to professor. Uh, they're yeah, they're pretty similar on their approach, you know, uh, pretty cycle approach of training. You know, <laughs> you guys are familiar with the member mentality. That's the best way I would. Um, compared to, you know, they're really obsessive with the, the training or not skipping training, even when you hurt, figure it out a way. And uh, training camp was always super intense leading up um, to big tournaments, you know, and, and it would definitely train, would train hard, you know, to the point that that's, it's got to be like the m number one focus in your life. You know, it, it, it's a full-time job, even on weekends, you know, you got to watch what you're eating, like when you're competing at the highest level and then that's that's kind of like how we filters out like the really really tough guys the ones that want to stick with it mm -hmm. um like when you they go through those training camps that the homolo puts on and philippe puts on then you, you really become a different different person different athlete you know yeah so going into 2017 right 2017 mm -hmm. you're in the finals you're potentially able to get your first world champion right mm-hmm What's going through your head? What's happening? Are you freaking out? Are you saying I'm gonna fuck this fool up? Like, did you like what? What was what was what? What, what song were you listening to? Like, I want to hear going into that fight. What was what was the vibe like? Also, where was it? Was in Abu Dhabi, right? Well, the this there was the one in Abu Dhabi too. I won 16 and 17 mm -hmm. in, in Abu Dhabi, but uh, the 17 World Championship in California was like my main goal. Yeah, and uh, and I was freaking out for sure. I was like, man, I need to like I. I, my life depends on it pretty much, you know? Oh shit. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to let one more year, uh, wait because like I, I was already like leaving, um, as if I was a world champion in my head. I was like, yeah, I, I, 
I did win the whole tournament, close out with my teammate, but like my name is not there number one, you know? So technically, like I'm not a world champion. Everyone was like, yeah, no, Gaber is like the real deal. I was teaching seminars everywhere in the world, getting sponsorships, but uh, I still needed to like earn like b- like beating somebody on the final, you okay. know, in my head, you know? And uh, so it's only, it's one time every year. So like for me, it's like I, I can't go another 365 days mm. thinking about I, I'm technically not world champion, you know? So yeah, I was like, I was super super intense you know uh i was every fight like every second of the fight i was super concentrated to to make it happen and it worked out but it was tough it was a tough year you know yeah do you remember what 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 was uh like on your playlist 2017 2017 probably just like uh some brazilian hip-hop uh and mixed with you know hip-hop from here too uh-huh yeah, that's usually hypes me up. Is that usually your uh, your music that you listen to when you train? Hit like like pretty much hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I usually like the playlist, uh, the songs that I pick and 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 hype me up the most in training camp. Uh, I I use them in a, in a tournament. Or sometimes I go way back to like hip hops that I used to to listen when I was uh, on the bus full of of uh soccer uh like the soccer team is all on the bus we're uh-huh. all listening to this uh old school hip-hop and we'll go to the game so sometimes i i, I throw back a little bit too and mm-hmm. i listen to that nice. to uh bring um that old fire that uh with the memory too like helps me a lot you know yeah. concentrate and 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 focus on it and then 2018 you lost right yeah how was how was how was that like swallowing defeat knowing that you know, the past two years, you, you won, right? 2016, you won, 2017, and then 18, you ended up losing. How did that, did that fuck you up? Or, or was it like a learning lesson? How how did you take it? No, like I, I do pretty good with, with defeat, you know? Like I usually don't do as good with winning. It's weird, you know? But when what, I... Yeah, what when, do you mean by that? Like when I when I lose, I'm like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to win it, you know? Like I... Like the more when I'm on an underdog, I, I do much better, you know. Mm. So like that's why like, like less pressure. Um, not necessarily the pressure. The pressure is gonna be there regardless. But like having that less state of defeat, you know. Like I'm, it's gonna motivate me to train to get back and, and do better. And sometimes like uh, winning doesn't do as much, you know. And it was it was a it, losses happen in the sport all all the time, you know. So like it's not something i overthink too much the losses you know like if it's something that uh like 2018 was like i do a little bit because i shouldn't even be competing i was just open just open my school i wasn't even training like with homulu going there like i usually do my training camps i was just focusing on uh opening my business and and i should have probably done what i did this year just step away and when I'm ready, I'll get back and 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 do it. If I'm ready, I'll go there and, and compete. But if I'm like second guessing, uh, oh, I didn't train at all. Like, why? Why would I? Why would I do it? You know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that approach. But um, but it's good. It's a learning lesson too. Like losing, like it, it makes you makes you better. I, yeah, I 100% believe on that. So then I'm assuming then in 20 mm-hmm. in 2019 you decided to do the training camp, focus on that because you already had. And we're, we're going to get into your to your schools, but your school was already established. So you had you were able to balance your time and your conditioning to get in shape for twenty nineteen. 
Correct. Yeah. So uh, right after that, or after I lost the 2018, I started competing. Um, even that year, I started competing a lot too, and focused on the winning again. I had, I had a pretty strong like drive to like win it after after that to 2018. What What was um, the driving factor? Because after that, like you see tournaments, and then like. Uh, the media would like not even like list me as a favorite anymore. I'm like, really? Like, what, yeah. out, out of yeah. one performance? Okay, like, I, let me just uh, like prove to myself I can go there and uh, and 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 win it again, uh, just for myself because I wanted to be like multiple times world champion too in that weight class. And 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 I just came back to 2019 and with more balanced, you know, like with work and 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 competing at the same time. It's almost like. I was like always being a, a, a part-time athlete, you know. After I opened the schools, I was like being a part-time athlete. But I gotta at least put a training camp on, even like I have more th- things going on in my life. I gotta at least put a, a full training camp on, and that's what I did in 2019. And came back and and, and won it again. It's pretty cool. Did you end up by chance fighting the opponent that you lost to in 2018? I did not. He didn't make it. Yeah, he lost in the earlier rounds, but I beat the guy who beat him. Uh, in the final, did you um, ever ha- did you ever have a rival? Like, did you ever like you know? Uh, for instance, like nowadays, you see, you know, Pena and Gordon talking shit to each other. Yeah. You see, uh, God, I always make, mess up his name. Uh, uh, Atos. Oh, go on. Yeah, him. He always has beef, not beef, but like you know, there's always like mm-hmm. him and him and uh, Gordon as well. There's you know, there's always some type of rivals. You know, Cyborg and whoever. Did you ever have? Somebody in particular that when people would be like, it always be Gabe and so and so, Gabe and so and so. Yeah, well, I have opponents that we face each other since like the earlier ranks, uh, but nothing like. Um, yeah, I had some people that talk shit too, but that I don't consider rivals just because they're not they haven't like accomplished anything. You know, yeah. so, like some people talk shit, but okay, like go earn your spot first, and then I'll consider you yeah. uh, a rival or whatever. But. Uh, I the only one that I really remember is like this uh, on a blue belt. I remember I wasn't anything yet, haven't won anything, and this kid was like tearing up all the tournaments, like winning everything. How how, how old were you, was the age difference? I was probably seventeen. He was probably like no, I was like nineteen, and he was probably like sixteen, seventeen. Okay. So he was like training since he was a little kid. He was a little phenom or whatever. And then he used to, man, beat me up, but, like, beat me up talking shit during the fight, you know? And uh, and that, man, rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I, I got the cue against him once because I was just, like, trying to, like, frame on the neck. And then he said that I was, like, pinching him. It was, like, nowadays we're cool and, and everything. But back then, I, I that really, like, pissed me off, you know? And then he beat me literally, like, three or four times on the blue belt. And I could not figure him out. Uh, until purple belt, and then after purple belt, I start like getting it back, you know. Yeah. And then I beat him like a number of times too. Uh, we've competed so many times, but I know like I, I'm at least like as many wins uh, uh, as of losses by now, you know. Nice. But like I remember, like he he would swept me, like got him out, and then he started like talking to his coach, like now it's over, like he's not going to do shit, you know, while he's on top of you, while he's on, he's on Mount, Fuck you him. know, yeah. and I was like, dude, I'm going to get back. And yeah. it's just like, I might not win this one. I bump him up and end up on top, you know, mm-hmm. like I didn't win on points, but, uh, yeah, after that, like I got to purple bell, I started winning tournaments. And when he got to purple bell, 
and then I started like beating him like on very important tournaments, finals of important tournaments, and then um, he's a very high high level competitor. He's still like beat me uh, one time after that too, but uh, one time in the purple belt, but. Um, at least I got him like a f at least a handful of times myself too. Oh <laughs> yeah. So so did you guys compete at the higher like at the higher level at black belt at all? Yeah, yeah, we competed uh, uh, two times in the black belt. He beat me once, and I beat him once too. So it's back and forth, high level, very yeah. tough guy too. Yeah. What do you think about nowadays? With you know, because when you started at sixteen, I'm sure there wasn't there wasn't too much social media, maybe like facebook or some shit but what do you think about nowadays with the shit talking and social media and you know you can kind of just you know if i want to talk shit to you know uh somebody who's in my weight class be like yo you suck i can't wait to see you like what's your opinion about like the shit talking through social media do you think it's do you think it's good for the sport bad for the sport what do you think about it oh no i think i think it's uh i not necessarily good because it depends on what you're saying. Sometimes people cross the lines, you know. Mm -hmm. But like the, they're just trash talking and uh, bringing attention to to yourself when you're trying to like sell your product, right? Like yeah. you're trying to make a living out of sport, you got to be known, you know. And and sometimes people cross the line, you know, and and then it's it's pretty messed up. But just the marketing itself, I I think it's it's valid, you know. It's it's how how we get on, you know. Some people need that, you know. Yeah. I think I think sometimes it, they don't prove themselves and then it looks stupid, you know. Yeah, no, <laughs> they I don't they accomplish anything and they just keep talking shit all the time. But uh, I think it's valid to try to promote yourself. You don't need necessarily to be like crossing the line with anybody, you know. Yeah, I think when it becomes, I think when it becomes like now like a meme or a troll, like there's certain guys who like like every other fucking Instagram post is like they'll say some wild shit and it and it, at first it was cool, but now it's like now you're just becoming like a troll and you haven't even accomplished anything, you know, yeah. but then there's some guys who, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, you, they, people or other, other competitors know how to, how to, what's, what's what I'm looking for, how to hype the fight up, you know, mm -hmm. especially in jujitsu. Like, I feel like it's, I, it's just, just now becoming like, not established, but it's becoming really recognized now, especially like in the United States, like for us, you know, just for the past what maybe like five years we've really got into it and now you know having flow grappling having youtube now it's becoming you know normalized you know like the nba and mlb like for us it's like becoming like normal in the united states you had that your whole life correct like you you guys did you guys have like like a jujitsu channels back in brazil growing up uh well growing up like social media wasn't even uh around yet mm -hmm. you know so like like we were looking like buying magazines and and when i was like featuring a magazine for the first time for me it was like how old super were you cool um i was probably like 20 first time like on a magazine from here and stuff and i started like being featured in magazines and nowadays it's just like so much more coverage you know it's awesome yeah. uh it's awesome for the sport you know and then the guys need to do what they need to do to to make a living. Man, if they, if you're just a competitor, you know, you, if you just do comp a competition for a living, it's tough, man. You gotta do what you gotta do. So if you need to trash talk to, to like, basically, it's gonna be the only way you're gonna make money if you have like huge, huge fights and you gotta be winning consistently. Uh, so I respect the hustle, you know, but like, you, it, you just can't cross the line. And you can be smart about your 
marketing too and 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 do your own uh ways but uh it's tough man it's tough to make a living it's still like it's growing and and we need that attention so uh i respect it you know as long as you don't cross it too much as as a competitor if you were just a competitor or actually i'll I'll ask you when you were a competitor not having sponsorships not having you know the accolades you have like how how would you make your money man it was yeah it would be tough to get by for sure. And then I see like, even if we're not black belt, yeah, it's hard to get like real solid sponsorships. But, um, yeah, until like I was, I was doing everything. Like I, I would bartend, like when I was like blue, blue belt, purple belt, I would like bartend, like do all kinds of like side hustles to make money, to buy a ticket. Back then the dollar wasn't so expensive in Brazil yeah. like it is now, but I would be able to like, on summer, do a bunch of like side hustles, save us some money for a ticket, uh, and for some money for me to get by here. And and then uh, I started like locking small sponsorships that would give me small things here and there that I would sell and and like make my hustle in jujitsu too. But I would say that not until basically like I was lucky that even like on Purple Belt I got a sponsorship they start paying me already, but it's not very likely and it's not something that. You're going <laughs> to retire yeah, off yeah, of, yeah. you know, so you, you basically just getting by. I used to, like here, I used to live in on my friend's house for a while and then a, a friend's couch for another while. And then people while, helping while me. you were world champion uh, before, but, but still, you know, yeah. like to, to look at that big boy. <laughs> That's a strong unit. Oh yeah. The people here know, people here know who exactly who, uh, who he is. All right, so now after 2019, you know you're a, you know you're you're, you're a champion, you're, you're you know multiple champions. But you said in 2018, I believe you were what 25 when you decided to embark on opening your own gym. I can't remember how old I was, but it was uh, to, uh, 2018. That's 20. when I when I opened. Yeah. And that was and that was uh, that was at what used to be called the Mamba Academy, which was you know owned by Kobe, but now it's the sports Academy. Mm-hmm. You, you own the Gracie Baja thousand Oaks upstairs in the building. Correct. Yeah. How did that, how did that happen? How did you, uh, like, how did you have the confidence to do that? I mean, that's a big fucking step. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was super, um, smooth process, you know, like I was back then I was traveling nonstop. Like you guys travel a lot. Mm-hmm. You, you have a, a little taste of it. My mine was like, overseas three weeks out of the month uh going to different continents different countries teaching seminars and i was stoked i was making a leave out of jiu-jitsu but i was also like okay i want to set foot somewhere yeah and, and be more chill so where to where i don't have to be traveling all the time to make a living you know and then the school was like the best option for that and and uh teaching all the seminars i was already like doing strength and condition sports academy right after they opened and then uh, we'll be doing uh, strength condition there forever there. And uh, some of the guys, Nate, uh, he was like my coach back then. He's a co-founder of Sports Academy. It turned into Mamba uh, Sports Academy afterwards, but initially it was a Sports Academy itself oh, okay. too. Yeah. So uh, I was there in the early days and he was like, man, you're doing all the seminars around the world, all these training camps. Why don't you do one here? You know? And I was like, oh, that's cool. It was a great idea. We started planning it, but uh never happened. I was too busy. But and then Homolu or me and Homolu talking, oh, let's do a training camp there. And Homolu was like, why don't you just open a gym there? You know? 
something you've been wanting to do anyway and um and yeah it was easy like we start talking and uh it's it's awesome like both business uh feed off each other you know we always have people that want to work out want to do recovery there from jiu-jitsu and mm -hmm. uh people that work out there see they have jiu-jitsu they want to try it out too so it's been it's been great being there um for all these years and one of the reasons is why it's successful for sure exactly So now, you know, the Gracie Baja Thousand Oaks is flourishing. Just recently, this year, you opened up another gym as well, right? In Ventura. That's where we'll retrain. Again, when did you, did, how did that come about as well? Uh, that was a fun one because it was, it was in the middle of the pandemic, you know? Oh, shit. The middle of the pandemic. We were like negotiating leases and, and uh, making it happen. Um, it was pretty crazy, but. We're, I was training with Brendan, uh, and we're completely shut down. So we still had like a group training, and then we'll go to his house, and then uh, obviously like talking about uh, training, and then talking about gyms, and uh, and then Brendan found this spot in Ventura, and uh, I'm always like, yeah, yeah having an eye out too for new opportunities, and then he. He told me, and we went look at it. Uh, we'll look at a couple different spots actually, and um, and then the second one, even trail, I was like, man, this is really good. Uh, we were able to negotiate pretty well. Uh, just you know, being in the middle of the pandemic, I don't think uh, like people are like renting out a bunch of places, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so it was a good timing to to lock in uh, that spot. Uh, that's a good location for us and and i didn't think twice you know i was like yeah it's a uh, it's here i can be at both and and still have this uh studio Ventura, which is a like a great city i love going to ventura surfing there yeah. so uh Ooh. so yeah opening a gym there was was a uh, was a great idea and, and i'm glad we did it this year did, did you did you ever think and did you ever think growing up you know especially in brazil where you know Brazil is a third world country, you know, it's tough to kind of like to, to succeed out there, coming to the States, becoming world champ, having two gyms. I mean, did you think you could, you could ever accomplish that? Uh, yeah, I was aimed. I always, uh, aimed for it. You know, I have, like, I didn't, I wasn't born like on a, on a rich family or anything or like middle class, but, uh, my parents gave me like, all the education, spent a lot of money on education for me. Like they work really hard for us. So I always like wanted to hustle for sure and make it and make it really like just be successful in something and then have a good life, you know? And, uh, I always had that drive I was going to school in Brazil, but I definitely saw the, the, the path back then was mainly just the passion for jujitsu itself. But like, I could see like, even at the worst case scenario, I can make a living out of jiu-jitsu, just doing what I love every day and having a, uh, uh, a pretty good life, you know, in the States where in Brazil would have been like really, really tough to, to, to make it happen, you know. So uh, I definitely saw myself, you know, accomplishing those things. I, I definitely got very surprised like how early I was able to accomplish a lot of these things, you know. Uh, and But yeah, I was aimed for it for sure. What's the biggest impact you think jiu-jitsu has made in your life i know it's a broad question but yeah huh. i think it really made me uh like really make me uh look for 
a lifestyle where I just want to do that for a living. So like really, really like find happiness. Uh, I would say I found happiness in jiu-jitsu because I had all my friends in it. Like it seemed like a life I could live forever, you know, like I can train forever. I can be on the mat, like build new relationships, like you guys, you mm -hmm. know, like I met you guys, what, just when we opened Ventura yeah. and then yep. now we're like we're friends or whatever. So like I'm constantly making new friends and uh, that's, that's for sure the biggest impact uh, that, that Jiu Jitsu has, you know. I say that a lot, but like having the title, it's cool and everything, but it's uh it's a uh, it's more for your ego and for your memories. You know, like oh, yeah. you're always gonna look yeah. back, like oh man, I worked so hard for that, I accomplished. You know, but uh, the the memories you built with uh, you build with like other friends and your community around it, it's like priceless for sure. You know, <clears throat> it's funny you like you say like the impact also because I noticed even whether it's giving somebody a stripe or a belt, or a promotion, you have the biggest fucking smile. And what I always wonder is, when you give somebody a stripe or, 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 or a belt, when somebody gets promoted, what is, what, is, what is that feeling for you as a professor? Man, it feels good, too. It feels good because, like, every time I'm promoting someone, I, I, I just see them as uh, how they started, you know? Like, I can't see their entire life with it, but, like, I see how... Uh, how jiu-jitsu can transform their lives you know it's so, like i look back and remember that person just getting started training or how that person was when they started training how jiu-jitsu changed their lives so it's an important moment to kind of like celebrate that for sure yeah i uh for for me even seeing that like just got promoted last week just to let y'all know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> The, the no biggie no biggie no biggie <laughs> the 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 best thing like you said is the relationship you know like seeing we, we have people that are cops could be firefighters nurses all these people in different realms of of jobs and professions and it's so cool to see that you know you're able to see them every day and and you can get something from them and and and, and take some from something from them and it's amazing to see the difference of dynamics in, in day in the life of a jujitsu gym, which is amazing. Yep, man, that's the that's what makes my life so so cool for me. You know, like yeah. I get to hang out with people, different backgrounds, and they all like come together as a team. You know, as a community, everybody treat each other so good. Like the mat environment is pretty cool. You know, mm -hmm. it's a it's a good environment to be around for sure. So uh, a big question I've always wanted to ask, and he's also wanted to ask, is uh, how is it training under Homolo? We've 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 seen him in person, and it was you know he's very intense. But from from what I've gathered and what we gathered, we've heard that he's very very intense, more than we we were able to see. Yeah, <laughs> he he is definitely super intense. Um, like in 2012, when I first came here, it was a shock because for me, uh, like Philip used to tell me, like you need to train more than one time a day. I was like, more than one time a day. I'm training every day, man. What do you mean? <laughs> and he he got me introduced to training multiple times a day and doing it a little bit more serious. But when when I got here, and uh, we had just like a whole team doing the same thing, same schedule, um, all focused 100% in the training camp. 
then we, I got to really meet him and how yeah how intense it was like we would push um we there's definitely not something you can like just do all the time but like that that the introduction was like really building the confidence level that okay I can I can get through this training camp you know like when we would go to tournaments you it would be like oh thank God I'm competing, you know? Yeah. Like, I get to rest two days, I'll beat somebody up that it's not as ready as I am, you know? Damn. That's how, that's how it was. And, like, we couldn't wait for a tournament because on the, the, the week of the tournament, we got to rest a couple of days. But, yeah, man, long story short, it was just, like, the volume and the intensity and the, just the, account, the accountability is what, like, I, I bet a lot of people train a lot, you know? Like, yeah. a lot of people can handle a lot of people... Uh, are capable of but the accountability is just like it couldn't mess up yeah. you know if you're like late for two minutes he would have you do a thousand burpees you would be super pissed a uh, thousand like pretty much you would just add Damn. up to it the yeah fuck? yeah <laughs> some people are like gotten uh, enough that on um on the burpee side of things that they couldn't catch up to it you know oh and my then, god <laughs> yeah Damn. and um it was just not like everybody was afraid to mess up too. It, was, it wasn't even the burpees, you know, like, yeah, sure. We're like that. And having to do the burpees was a pain, but, uh, like having him like, what, like, what is he going to say? You know, he's going to be pissed. And then he's like putting all this time and effort on us, you know? So, uh, it's more the accountability that, that there was like the heaviest part because he would expect everything, you know, to be exactly how he was doing. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, you did this, you did that. Like you just, just, follow everything he's doing you know Damn. which was super hard like the training it was like wake up like pretty much every day wake up 6 a.m whether you're doing like jiu-jitsu first or crossfit first we'll do crossfit twice a week and after one hour crossfit uh crossfit we're gonna do we're, we'll do one hour of lifting like he would say that like oh no crossfit it's not lifting it's just like oh. uh <laughs> Cardio, cardio, you know? yeah, and then yeah. like, and, but we would still like squat a thousand times, throwing a ball up. So we we're like, our legs are tired. Yeah. And then after that, that was done. He was like, "Okay, guys, like ten minutes break. We're gonna start the the lifting part." I was like, "I thought we just did that." That <laughs> 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 so was tough. And after that, I like go and train multiple, multiple rounds. At least I would say at least twelve rounds of sparring a day. Besides all the specific training and techniques on Wednesday alone in the morning that we didn't have CrossFit. It would have. It would be um, like twelve rounds after the specific training. So after one hour and a half of like drilling, specific training, you're already tired. Then we're gonna do twelve rounds of sparring, which is super tough. Like yeah. you, you guys train, you know it. Yeah. Um, it would be tough to imagine. Like if you don't train, but like twelve rounds is a lot. With one minute break, you cannot uh, go past your one minute break like if it's one minute on the clock you don't have your partner you're not like ready to go you're Damn. not shaking hands when the timer goes up <laughs> you're, in, you're in trouble if you go and then it's in northridge and it's getting close to summer it's hot as fuck hot as fuck <laughs> God. windows are closed it's like a steam room yeah. you're not allowed to open the doors or if you open the back if you open the back door for a second and then the fresh airflow comes in he will be pissed he will like cuss you out on the spot <laughs> and some people like try, try to sneak away and go to the locker try to like oh i forgot something to go to the locker because there's like fresh ventilation and uh no ac it's just like the ventilation is there <laughs> so it's a little bit more cool but still like you go there you'd be in trouble and you basically got like a couple seconds to drink water and you need to find a partner quickly enough and 
And back then, I'm like a blue belt. So it's like I'm not beating people up. Like at the very yeah. best, I'm going even. So those rounds are tough because like they're you're trying to kill each other, you know? Yeah. And then nowadays, I can kind of cruise through those camps in a way because like I'm a black, a very high level black belt. Like you're not going to find people to beat me up yeah. like that easily. You yeah, know, like yeah. on a blue belt, at the very best, it's like even match when I'm not getting crushed yeah. by all those black belts that were there already. Bruh. So uh, it gets better with time, but that first year were tough. Well, that built my character in a way. Well, I mean, I mean, I know like the phrase they say, like uh, when you get the blue belt, like it's the blue belt blues, right? Like you like, it, it's hard because you're, you're not a white belt anymore. You're blue belt, but pretty much you're, you're getting fucked up a lot. Mm -hmm. So going through the camps that you went through being a blue belt, pretty much you're going to these camps Sounds like hell, and all you're doing is getting pretty much beat up. Did you ever feel like, like, fuck this shit? I want to quit. Like, I, I, why am I even doing this? Or what, did you ever, like, what was, did you ever think that? Not because of the training regimen itself. Like, I, I did feel uh, like quitting multiple times just because, like, oh, I haven't achieved what I, what I need to achieve in order to make it, kind of way. But not because the training was tough. You know, I was like, man, the training is tough, but I'd rather do this all day than get a nine to five job like that yeah you know i'm yeah. doing what like i'm not supposed to like i know like i really this i hate this i hate every second of it like it's super tough to get through this grind but that's what's gonna take me to the level that i'm dreaming of so i knew there was a, a price to pay and then it was worth it like i didn't second guess for a second you know like then not being out with my friends in brazil like having the best time of my life as a young uh, young adult, uh -huh. you know, like enjoying life. But I was like, man, you know what? Like I'll give, I'll give up the early, my early twenties for that any yeah. day. You know, I, I have the rest of my life when I'm 30 uh, on my thirties, I'll have like already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I'll, I'll be more in peace, enjoying myself yeah. nice. rather than just like do that right now and look back and say, Oh, I should have, I could have, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of how I, that it. also sounds that's also very mature too yeah people don't people don't get it you know um when you uh when you got here and you know let's just say you made it right like like you feel like you're accomplished you've done your thing you know your world champion the the gyms what out of, out of the, from from then to now what's been the biggest like uh achievement in your eyes out of everything you've done what's the biggest achievement in your eyes that you accomplished Hmm. Uh, probably like winning world championships as a black belt because it's just like so difficult like very few people do it that's one uh, I'm very proud of my gyms too that's for sure it's like uh, gives the opportunity for me to uh, financially be able to like just live jujitsu through my life you know and help my family and do all of that so that's something I'm very proud of as well the gyms and, and the tournament, the really, it's tough to, to mention just one, you know, but everything that comes with it, it's, yeah, I'm grateful for, for sure. What about your biggest regret? If you have any, mm -hmm. whether it be in life, yeah, it, it, I mean, in, yeah, in, in life, mm -hmm. in jujitsu, I don't know, in, in business, you know, man, I, Maybe I could have uh, given a shot soccer at, at a younger age and, and, and try to make it for real on that too. But at the same time, I think it was the right decision, you know, because it got to 
got me to where I am today, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, 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 the way I live my life was to not have regrets, you know? It's like I try everything. Like I have a little bit of desire to become... I tried. I went there. It didn't work out. Like jujitsu, I could have like very well like given up, you know? Like a lot of people told me like, you're insane. Like you're giving away, like you're going to college, you're studying engineering, like you're going to not become an engineer to be uh jiu-jitsu fighter is like yeah it's exactly what i'm doing and then it worked out you know Damn. but like i would definitely have regrets if i just listened to 90 of what people are telling me you know which comes to tell you like you shouldn't be you know there's a lot of people to tell you a lot of things you know you just got to listen to your gut sometimes but yeah man i think regrets one thing that i'm not gonna stress too much over it like at least until this point of my life i don't think regrets gonna be a painful one What's the biggest fear that you have now? Uh, I don't know. Losing family, probably. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty fucking yeah. pretty scary. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's pretty much it, yeah. man. Not, nothing else scares me, to be honest. No. You know? No. Jeez. Well, I mean, now that having now that you have your, your gyms and you become... Now well, sorry to catch you off, but please, like, please go ahead. just to... Uh, like, I've been through a lot of my life, too. You know, like... Like with my like even like seeing my family struggle and stuff like that. I can't like I said like my parents gave me everything I needed education you know. But like at one point in my life we we're very poor too. So like I've been through pretty much. Uh, I don't want to say everything, but through a lot of things you know. Like to really put fear on me, it's got to be something like really crucial for sure. Yeah, you it sounds like you you lived you lived a full life. Like you've been, you've been up, you've been down. I, I definitely, I definitely am mature, more mature than like majority of like 28 year olds for sure. Yeah. Like when I was 18, I was already like living by myself in a different country, you know? Yeah. Like I went, I came all the way here, like living in the first apartment with my friends were like nine people in the three bedroom trying to like make it, you know? Yeah. So like at 18, I was already at that point, you know? So like I've, I've been through some shit and then I, 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 grew with it so that's why i probably like i'm more mature than like majority of like 20 year olds you know do you yeah. do you do you ever feel now that like do you ever look back and be like damn like i missed i missed certain things in my 20s like while you were trying to become a world champion and you know have what you have now do you ever like do you ever like wonder like what if what if you you did what most 20 year olds did, you know, go out and about, hang out with your friends, you know, travel. Um, I don't know, like relationships on like if you had girlfriends during that time or you were just focused on fucking the mats. Like, did you ever wonder what if? Yeah. When more like when I were, when I was in the middle of it, you know, I was like, why am I doing this? Like what the, the, the times that I was like borderline almost quitting. How old were like, you? I was like probably like 21, mm -hmm. 21, 22. And I was like, man, I haven't accomplished anything. My friends are like almost graduating college. They're like traveling, enjoying life and everything. But I got to enjoy my life so much because of jujitsu too. You know, like with all my friends, what we travel around the world and what uh, the cultures we experience, the places we visit, you know, it's, it's, it definitely pay off. You know, I, I, I had a pretty miserable life in a way that not doing anything else than jujitsu for uh, another, like, maybe two or three years but after that you know jiu-jitsu still was a big part of my life but i was i was enjoying my life too you know maybe i um i missed uh, a lot of the relationships 
what the biggest thing I miss was a lot of things uh, like family related events. Uh, when I was like like getting my paperwork done here in the states, I couldn't travel for a certain amount of time, and then I couldn't go to Brazil to go to a wedding of like you know yeah. experience and uh, different family events like Christmas. Uh, I didn't see my dad for like four years, you know, pretty much like. And this mix of like traveling around the world and you didn't and see your dad for four years. I didn't see him for like four years. Yeah, holy shit. Because like my mom was still like travel to some place that would compete. I'll see her, uh, but like Christmas, like last year was the first Christmas I spent in Brazil since God knows when. You know, so uh, yeah, I was like my mom will come here and and I will see them in different places, but like weddings and uh, uh, weddings not just from my family, from like friends and events, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one thing that I uh, like, yeah, I missed for sure. Uh, you, you can't get back to, you know, but like, oh, I didn't party when I was uh, with my friends when I was early 20s, you know, like you, you have your whole life to enjoy, you know, like I'm not looking back and regretting that at all. Like not for yeah. one second, but the, like some things that don't come back, then, then yeah, you know. Jeez, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about now with, again, going back with social media and you see these like young phenoms, right? You see these young 15 year olds, 16 year olds that are getting so hyped up, you know, like, uh, who is the, they got the Rotolo brothers too. Like that, like that, like, but what I'm saying is like, how do you, how do you feel about, about that and how that, like what, how that's bringing, uh, like how, like how that is making a movement in the sport. And also too, what do you think, your life would have been like if you would have had that type of social media presence when you were, you know, coming up? Uh, first off, like this new generation is crazy. Like those kids that even our students in the gym, there are some of the kids that are, they're like training since they're like, I said, six sometimes. Mm-hmm. The Rotola brothers, I, I think they're like born with a gear yeah, pretty much. Really they're old. like, yeah, they're like, they have mats in the garage. They train each other for their entire life, you know, and then they're, Beating world champions, winning ADCC trials uh, uh, at a young age, you know. I think the Rotolos are like older now, eighteen or nineteen, mm-hmm. or whatever. But they've been tearing up since sixteen. Competed the ADCC medal. I think it didn't matter. Got like fourth place, but at sixteen, are you kidding me? Yeah. So those kids, uh, the other kid Cole about it too. Like I think Cole, uh, his name is Cole. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name so, correctly, yeah. but sixteen years old and won ADCC trials. It's like, mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, it's the future of the sport, you know? Yeah. And it's a good sign. It's a good sign, you know? If uh, 16s are coming up and they're, like, make a living out of the sport and then make the sport grow, that that's awesome for everybody, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot of names that the media hype up and end up not being shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> but, uh, and then they just, for the sake of it, so the guys that are competing a lot, they want to hype up because they're going to get better return out of it. Uh, there are a lot of, like, bs guys out there they're like super overhyped you know but those 16 year old the new generation that's coming with talent uh with a lot of hard work and winning all this shit yeah that's gonna make a next step for sure hopefully for the better yeah do you do you see yourself do you see yourself competing next year at adcc i do i do yeah i would love to that's what that's what I want to do the most for sure, you know. And in uh, and again, I'm I'm is it is it 
Nogi? It's Nogi. Nogi, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I haven't accomplished Nogi in the black belt level yet. Anything close to what I did in the Gi. So that's one of my main focus right now. You know, I can only do so much. You know, I have like the gyms and I, I'm a part-time athlete that I yeah. still enjoy to do. And Nogi is something that, you know, like I train. This year, pretty much, you guys know, you yeah. see me. Yeah. But I only training. I only train no gi for the whole year, you know, to try and improve on that. So um, next year, whether it's ADCC, no gi worlds, super fights, that's that's probably where my mind is at. Do you, you ever know? do you ever do you ever see yourself <clears throat> retiring from competition? I mean, there's guys that retire at thirty. There's guys that still go that are like forty five. I mean, what's cyborg is what like forty five, forty six. But then there's guys who retire at 30, 29. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself hanging it? What is it? Or, or putting putting your belt down on the ground and calling it calling it? Uh, I, well, not necessarily like what I would do or anything, but obviously, like I see myself after the competition. You know, like what I'm gonna do, which is like the hardest part. I feel like sometimes, like that's your whole life for so many years, and then you just um, just boom, stop for for good and then you you don't even know what to do after you know so that has always been a concern of mine you know like i even if i stop today like i have a whole entire life yeah. outside of yeah. it you know yeah. so it's not like i'm gonna be uh super like bummed or anything uh uh i would miss it you know i still enjoy to compete i like to prepare i don't compete as often as i used to for sure but i enjoy competing i see myself competing for for a long time you know and uh, until like I have desire, I, I, I'm gonna compete, you know. But like I, I don't, I don't visually see like how it's gonna be or anything. Like I yeah. think there's a lot of a uh, lot of water to go down the bridge before that happens. I think. Nice. Spe- speaking about water, are you gonna compete in, in surfing anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would love to, yeah. but I feel like every t- every uh, everything that becomes a job, it kind of like yeah. takes. It's like I love ju- I love doing jujitsu, but like. When I'm competing, I'm like working, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like you guys, like some, like a lot of people say the same thing too. Like when I'm traveling, oh man, you're traveling to all these places, like 50 countries. Like, dude, mm-hmm. I see the airport, I see the hotel. Exactly, the, exactly. The people don't get it. Yeah, I go. Like it's not as uh, as Luxurious. glamorous as exactly. you think, yeah. you know. So uh, you guys know, you guys travel all the time, but uh, I don't know why I was bringing that up. Oh, I think because of the surfing. But when it becomes a job, it's different, you know. And then uh, surfing is like part of my life too. I love surfing, and even if I wanted to, I couldn't make it a life out of it. But yeah. uh, I just—it's something I enjoy doing. It's perfect for me. Why is why is surfing or water sports so correlated with jujitsu? Like I feel like most people who do martial arts either surf and bodyboard like what is it is Swim, it is, is it is it a is it a brazilian thing or, or what hmm. yeah i was because we were talking off camera and i was talking to him i was like you know i've seen the documentary of like buchecha and like you know he surfs or you see uh uh like crone you know he he bodyboards or some shit like everybody or, everybody not everybody but the majority yeah like water sports well, it's just it's like even even just Jiu-Jitsu coming to America, you know, the, the Gracie's bringing it over to what, a Torrance and Hunting, Huntington Beach area. It's like all the practitioners are surfing. And I feel like it's just, a, I don't know, it's big in the Jiu-Jitsu community, it feels like. 100% is big in the Jiu-Jitsu community and it's big in the surfing community too. A lot yeah. of like surfers want to train Jiu-Jitsu. 
because they they relate really well you know like the balancing the 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 art of it you know you got to be in tune with yourself to be to be doing your best and then uh when you get that balance that endurance and the the like being able to manage your your fears like nobody wants to get mounted like with a choke on but you gotta yeah. it's like I, i need to figure out a way out of this you know and yeah. then uh it has a lot of that in surfing too when it's like big surfing you gotta uh really stay comfortable on, on very uncomfortable positions you know you gotta yeah. pay the price and Uh, the same way you gotta struggle on the ocean, like to become a better surfer, like in the mats, you gotta put your time in and yeah. and then be on those struggles, being crushed on the on a cross face and being choked and getting your arm stretched out. So, and I think the balancing too and it's and the endurance of it uh, correlates really well. And the lifestyle, you know, like people that like like to train jiu-jitsu, they I think. The lifestyle uh, it's fairly similar to to the surfing lifestyle too so yeah. i think that's why they they're they work so good together if you were to have a championship fight today right what would be your top three songs that you would vibe out to <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow um Yeah, that would be a tough one. Should I pull up my my Spotify yeah. playlist? Let's do it, yeah. yeah. And while you're while you're for while you're finding the the Spotify playlist, I got a couple of questions. I asked a couple of our uh, of our teammates, and one of them was plans for any more gyms in the upcoming future. Yes, yes, I would like to have more gyms in the future for sure. Um, yeah, I love I love having like that. It's it's awesome like to have a gym and and uh, being able to to impact more people's lives and uh, and um, give more opportunities to to other people too so it's definitely something something I plan for in the future okay um i know you're still looking for your playlist um cuz it's a tough question man i know I mean, but my, hey, my playlist is just a mix of everything you can think of i get so. it i get it but i got i got i got a, i got another question though here we go what's your diet like on a regular basis versus getting ready for a fight So if if to like today, what you, if like your normal day to day, what, what would you eat? Uh, I'll probably eat, like not I, not not on a not on a uh, not on a uh, when you're getting ready for a fight, just like a okay. regular day. Uh, probably like four eggs in the morning with some egg whites too, um, and like avocado toast. Uh, I'll eat like oatmeal or something, or no, actually like I I'll have lunch. Uh, just like pretty basic, like rice, uh, beans, some vegetables, and chicken. You know, like I don't change up too much. Uh, some uh, like oatmeal in the uh, in the afternoon, and some acai too, every day. Yeah, acai every day. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for dinner, um, I I change up a lot. You know, like I I've been eating a lot of vegetables, like meat, but I was like trying like some vegan stuff too. So uh, a big mix. Uh, And I eat like vegetables, rice, yeah, beans, and and then for choice of meat, sometimes like steak, chicken, or uh, I'm like introducing some vegan stuff too. And then if you were, if you were in fight week and you have to make weight, what would be your what would be your your, your regimen? Uh, probably like intermittent fasting for 16 hours, uh, mm. and then high fat, low carb kind of thing. Mm. Uh, 
avocado, like good fats, you know, like throughout the day. But it changes up a lot, like depending on the, how much weight I need to cut, you know. Mm-hmm. Then uh, usually if it's a big cut, then I'll, I'll, I'll have like a nutritionist like follow up with me like on a daily basis, see how my weight's doing and, and like what we need to adjust. And you give me like different meals. But uh, yeah, like it, it, it changes a lot if I'm like cutting weight. It really depends on like how my body or like how heavy I am. Have you ever had a bad weight cut? Multiple. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's the worst one? And uh, don't trust me. I haven't forgot about the playlist question. Uh, I'm going to want that. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, I got to think on that one, but, uh, I mean, I've, man, I've struck, like I've competed so much, you know, like in Korea, I had to make 168 with the gi on, which puts me at like 163, 162. And how big were you before you, uh, I got invited on a two week notice or maybe three week notice. And I was like. Probably like at 200, Four. 195, <laughs> which I am like right now. I walk around 195. But that's almost 40 pounds. It was tough. It was tough, man. I I was fainting. I was like by myself. The logistics of the tournament wasn't good. So like my coaches, they like, they had me bring with, like they were at a different part of the event while I had to cut weight. And then I had to do media first and I go back cut all that way so like i was passing out by myself in the sauna and uh basically like i was man it was bad like i, I fainted like i blacked out it was bad damn would you like i've seen like some boxers like would you like chew gum and then spit out the yeah out and the then even then like cut out that way and i still had like one hour to get to the place and was like a friday rush hour traffic damn. and then i wasn't on the way yet so like i just got on the cab started spitting on the on the little bottle and hoping for the best luckily when i got there i was awake but like i don't know how i made that way you know damn and then and then unless i'm mistaken is it like in jiu-jitsu you as soon as you make the weight you get on the mat right that's correct for like ibjjf world championships okay. uh tournaments there will be some tournaments like super fights like this one in Korea that I, uh, yeah. And by the way, I was in Korea. It's yeah. not like I've, I was, you know, <laughs> in South Korea by myself, like cutting away, like not knowing anybody. Uh, but like super fights, events like the magnitude that like they pay well. Like sometimes they, they'll have uh, weigh-ins the day before, have the event, uh, oh, weigh-ins event as well. So it depends. But for but, the most part, it's in the day of. But that one, it was day of. That one was the night before. Oh, so were you able to? How much? How much were you yeah. able to gain overnight? Uh, I was probably fighting like not too much uh, more because like you can't really put that much, but probably like one eighty, one eighty five. Nice. Yeah. Right. It's Go going. On. This is this is Professor Gabe show now. This is his show. Okay, so you guys been around um, traveling and obviously uh, doing your uh, security work. What's the place that you've been to that you felt like? Oh, this is sketchy. Like, I, I really got to... This is the... I feel, like, as dangerous as I can feel right now. I really need to bring my game on and be alert to basically anything. Um, I, uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, the first time that we traveled to Germany and and Logic had a show. It looked like a... Like a it almost looked like a, like a fortress. It was like this big gray like square building and i remember we we parked the the tour bus right there and we got out and it looked like bro it looked like it was a like it was a war like it was just like 
old and dirty and it was gray and i was just thinking i'm like yo this like we're going into we're going into war because it was just like people just like staring at us because you know people look at us outsiders people of you know different culture and i remember i left the tour bus wanted to get breakfast with uh with our buddy christian and i remember walking the streets and it felt so eerie like you see like newspaper like flying through the streets and it was just like this doesn't seem right you know and luckily it was a good show but it just didn't it just felt like some shit was gonna pop off you know like it it just it just kind of felt like something out of a movie yeah yeah wow (laughs) definitely being in some situations like that to traveling and sometimes you think oh i'm going to like germany right yeah we were i was in we were in frankfurt frankfurt Yeah. yeah there you go so it's sometimes the place that you least imagine too like even when we went to uh Man- manchester is it, it's a city right yeah i'm manchester. so bad in, in i mean I'm, a, I'm assuming too man yeah yeah in, uh, <laughs> in the uk anyway, yeah but uh close to to liverpool i don't know if they're they're close or not but i got that by myself and taking trains and then i thought it was like oh this is super easy it's gonna be a piece of cake but no but i felt like walking around she was like yeah this is this is sketchy, especially yeah. like being in a different country. And then uh, I'm sure like you've been like obviously more dangerous place here. Like, oh, yeah. Work in the States. But, but like in a way you feel more safe. Right. Just because like. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you're in your country. You're in your country. You know, the language. Yeah. Uh, you know, like for me, it's like, hey, man, it's, 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 as long as I find somebody who might look like me or something <laughs> like I'll be all right, you know, yeah. but. Uh, you know, in certain places, whether it's, you know, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, whatever, and you're just like, I don't know the language. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know how to reach it. Are people fucking sizing us up? Are people people trying to plan something and then to top it off? We're protecting somebody. So it's like, how are we going to be able to maneuver ourselves and also take care of our client without them freaking out yeah. and us freaking out? You just have so many things going on. Yeah. But what was okay. your answer? Uh, mine was it was in the states. I would say it's my first tour ever. It was in San Antonio. It's a small venue, but bus was parked down the street. It wasn't even close to where we we needed to be, and like there was just a bunch of crackheads everywhere, and like and it was and it was a neighborhood. So like, just like a little neighborhood hood, like a gang that was like circling what, in, up in San Antonio. You said in San Texas? Antonio, yeah, and um. It was a little sketchy because it was like I had to walk him from the bus all the way over and there was no other security. You know, the only security is there in the front door. They wouldn't assist us. It was a lot. So it was just like I was, you know, you're on your own, you know, just two people having to like do do the job. So it was a little sketchy. And that night was actually I actually had to like detain and I restrain this dude that had a knife because he had a bike that he didn't want to move his bike in front of. He tried to lock his bike on the tour bus. He was like crackhead. Oh. And then I get off the bus to tell him he can't. And then he, like, tries to pull out a knife. So I had to, like, tackle him and then grab the knife. And then I grabbed his own knife to cut the freaking uh, bike cord he had on the bus, off the, the, the bus, threw his bike across the street. And then I just locked the bus. And then I hit up the, the um, driver of the bus and was like, yeah, we got to leave and go somewhere else, like, to park the bus. It was after the show. But that was yeah. a, that was sketchy because there was no real when you don't have good venue security you know it doesn't help what do you think brings more attention to like people that want like intercations or just want to be you know they want to be like dicks and and because if people will mess with other people like uh, at night on a nightclub or whatever yeah uh but what's like the difference when you're like working do you think it attracts more uh because they're like oh like i'm like you guys are like 
logic or like the guys wants to be the center of attention do like some stupid people you know yeah so you think that uh it's more when you guys are working or uh and you're obviously a big guy so like when you're just going out and and and, and you're just by yourself like because obviously like when you have a whole crew too mm -hmm. uh people feel more safe and stuff but like why do you think it tracks more of these um you know these crazy guys <laughs> um I, I think it's I think it's more of them seeing us with them, you know. Someone sees like, oh, that's so and so. That it, it 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 people are attracted to to drama and attracted to like seeing a certain caliber of a star. And it's just like some people just don't act normal. They don't know how to act normal, you know. They just switch characters from who they really were to someone different because they see somebody that's famous. And sometimes that just derails how they really feel or who they really are, and it kind of messes up situations, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And also, too, they... It's so weird to me. Yeah, and yeah. also, too, they want their 10 seconds of fame. You know, yeah. but you, right. you can't... I can't tell you how many times, you know, Jordan and me will be doing our job, and, you, and you'll see some guy, you know, whatever, whether it's trying to be aggressive or trying to say some shit in front of us, and we just look to the left, and we see somebody with, like, a phone. Like, oh, you're trying to, you're trying to get your yeah. 10 minutes, your 10 seconds of fame. You're trying to get on TMZ. You're trying to mm -hmm. have, you know, Logic's bodyguards beat up whoever and it's like yeah it don't work that way and also too i feel like with us like you're asking like versus when we're working and when we're out and about yeah i think with us when we're working you know it's kind of like i mean i don't want to correlate it but it's kind of like when like when you're on the mat when you're on the mat you gotta you gotta turn it on you gotta be somebody who you're probably right now you're super calm and, and relaxed but when you're on the mat you fuck me up you fuck jordan up you fuck yeah. everybody up you know so with us when we're when we're when we're on the clock like, I don't even like myself. Jordan, I mean, we're fucking, we're doing the job. We're assholes. We're making sure that our clients are good. And then when we go out, I mean, we're happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Like, like, like if there's a problem at a brewery, we we walk the other way because, yeah, like. I'm not doing the hero stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. yeah. I avoid. Because we used, I used to, like, when yeah. I first, oh, I help. And I'm like, why am I doing yeah. this? When you we know? were younger, we used yeah. to love fighting. And then when, now that we got older and we realized we're like. Man, I'm just gonna go. I'll, yeah. I'll be the first no one. To, I'll be the first one to yeah. get out of yeah. this. Right? Yeah, because because no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's funny to me that people have that they wanna have that ten second fame or like because I'm so different, you know. Like I've asked picture, I have asked to take a picture with somebody once, and then I got denied, and I was like, I'm never ever coming up to a famous <laughs> person again. And I'm it wasn't even person. like a big deal. It was like a. a actor from i was watching sons of an anarchy oh like yeah that, Love that, that show. show so um one of that guy like the that big guy with the long hair uh um yeah he's also in uh, his name he's uh, also in uh remember titans yeah i don't want to even say his name yeah so, yeah, yeah, anyway. I know. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> like i'm on the tsa line and then i see him and i'm like holy shit i was literally just like watching on my ipad like yeah. on my way to the airport and i was like oh, that's him you know like i was like so into it i was like it was so weird for me to come up to somebody to ask for a picture uh, or whatever and then i go out of my way walk up the line you know like walk in front of people just so i can come up to him it's like hey man like i'm a big fan do you mind if i <laughs> if i take a picture with you i just really just wanted to show my friends that i watched the show with you know yeah and then the guy was like he's probably like pissed on the tsa line and didn't want like any attention but like Long story short, I was like, sorry, man, I don't look pictures. And I was like, to that day, going forward, I never, ever came out. And then every day, you guys go to Sports Academy, you yeah. see, like, it's always NBA players yeah. there. Um, Kobe used to be there all the time, obviously, but I never, ever come up to anybody. Oh, you know? yeah. 
No, that shit will fuck you up. Yeah. That, that that that'll give you some like PTSD. Like except, except him, he'll he'll ask. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. I don't. He doesn't care. He'll go up to anybody. Be like, yo, what up? Some 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 was good. And he forced them to take a picture, and they'll take a picture. Yeah. With him. I I don't ask because I'm like, but Pep. He's just that's just how he is. He's yeah. like, I don't care. Like yeah. yeah. I, and then I treat them like I know a lot of like. Uh, like famous athletes or whatever yeah. that I, I hang, um, I've been around with. I'm like, or whatever. But I, I act normal. Like I don't do any yeah. like the stupid shit or anything. But yeah, just coming up to a person that I don't know, like I it feels weird, like to me, you know. Oh yeah. But um, I'm sure you guys see that all the time. People trying to come up and yeah. and, and get through the security. But that's a tough job getting through those two. <laughs> yeah. Getting through the big dogs. <laughs> yeah. Some people. Some people. Have Tried. have tried we've been in a lot of situations but i don't we don't always speak about it or whatever but mm -hmm. we've been in a lot of situations where we just had to like wreck somebody you know like yeah and and and, and it's always because they go too far you know and then it's uh, when it when you go hands-on it's like it's it's cool when the situation happens and it's all um afterward but like you do feel bad because you're like damn i just had to put this dude in a freaking coma because yeah. it's his fault you know like yeah but yeah. it just is what it is yeah man respect for you guys appreciate that yeah and it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a it's a tough tough job for sure and only a few can handle that type of uh that type of stress and being able to stay calm and, and under pressure so yeah it's been a hell of a ride so far yeah song right now if you were to have a fight tonight what would be your walkout song um Probably a pop mo up, <laughs> pop smoke music. Pop smoke, yeah. It, it just gets get you going. Get you hyped. Yeah, yeah. It gets gets me hyped up. Yeah, you don't want to walk out to a song out slow and stuff. <laughs> no R and B shit. No R and B shit. You know he does R and B. You could be walking out of his song. Ooh, that'd be fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't want him right, to lose, for him. Bro. I'll do it. <laughs> for him, I'll do it. Um, Depending on the lyrics, so yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, I'll get we'll you some hard. We'll look <laughs> the lyrics at yeah, first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the last few questions that I always end the, the podcast with is number one, you know, you, you've accomplished so much. Um, you're an entrepreneur, you're a role model, you know, you've done so you, you, you work with, I'm assuming thousands of students, you know, in the jujitsu world, you've impacted so many lives. If hundred years down the line, you know, somebody sees your tomb and you want three things to be said about you, what would it say? It said, Gabriel, Gabriel Arges was known as a blank, blank, blank. Number one, good person that helps others for sure. Um, number two, loyal, you know, yeah, loyal to, to the family or loyal to the circle that I have. And let me think number three, and, uh, like just describing myself or or whatever, whatever I'm remembered for, whatever you want to be remembered with, huh? And then just a uh, a high drive uh, person, I guess, like an entrepreneur entrepreneur uh, side of things or an athlete side of things. Just a a a person who's a, a looking to achieve greatness, you know. Nice. Just like looking on the path to achieve. Not comparing myself, in, not comparing myself to anyone, but just to do better every day. You know, mm -hmm. just what I am for. Respect, hell yeah! And oh. then, oh, go ahead. 
No, no, I was just saying, like, hopefully be remembered for that, too. Like, always, like, uh, achieving for for greatness and different stuff in life. Hell, yeah. Um, before my last question, do you have one more? Um, yeah, I've always, I've always wanted to know, how was it training? Because you, you've trained under uh, around so many people. And, and how was it training with, you know, you trained with Edwin and, and you guys got your, your black belts, obviously different times, but how was it training with, with guys like that? And then seeing, seeing him accomplish and have his own gym and, you know, having, having friends do exactly what you did. And now they're flourishing and doing something similar to you by having a gym. Yeah, man, it's just like really coming full circle. You know, we were like, I came here, like Edwin was just like a little kid, just like I was to 18, 19 then that uh, home was like, man, I need a blue belt lightweight that will beat up this kid of mine, this uh, student of mine. When he went to Brazil, he said those exact words. And I was like, I know a blue belt <laughs> lightweight that will, do it, that will try to do the job. You know, and like it, I came here, became really good friends with everybody with Edwin. And uh, like as blue belts, like looking back, you know, like seeing all the things that we accomplished. Uh, it's just a full circle, you know, it's just like mission. um we're always going to try to do better and better everything we accomplish, but it's just like a full circle in the, in the jujitsu journey. So it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see for yeah. sure. Hell yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Final question for, uh, for me is if you could go back to blue belt, Gabriel, at Homo's gym where it's fucking hot as shit. You're hating it. Homo's running you guys to the ground. You're trying to get some air, open the, the back door so you can get a breeze. And if you can go back over there and talk to him and be like, and give him one piece of advice, what would you tell him? Like, why the hell are you doing this? Yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm joking. I was just like, I don't regret anything I did, but I probably should have, uh, uh, overthink class you know like i didn't know like how those things were gonna happen that i was gonna accomplish so uh, i would try to like just let uh let things work out itself you know instead of just like being always like in the search for like answers you know like oh i want to like i wanted to accomplish this right now and i haven't accomplished you know so like i'll always stress over the fact that uh, oh, i haven't accomplished this yet or i'm not at the point that i wanted to be at this point in life, trying to like, trying to have like control of everything, which is impossible, you know. So yeah. nowadays, I'm like, I'm easier to uh, not stress over things I can't control, you know. And when I was a kid, it was tough, man. When I was like 18, 19, I was like, I need to make this happen. I need to make it. I, I, I am going to win the world championships. I didn't win year one, year two. But like, I was always like, you know, like super uh, stressed over it, you know. So I was just like be letting things work itself out nice you know? um where can people who are listening or, or are watching find you uh they can find me at gracie baja ventura nice. training yeah. with his big dogs at gracie baja thousand oaks too and uh on instagram my instagram and social media is just my name last name gabriel arges very nice Professor, thanks for being on our show. Thanks, Pepe, Jordan, the dynamic duo. Hell yeah. (laughs) And everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in, whether you're watching, whether you're listening. Uh, We appreciate you guys. 
And as always, thank you to our sponsor, Persistence Culture Media. Thanks for uh, holding it down for us. And we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. We made it. Whoa, nice. did it in seven. Did it in seven.